Welcome to the Healthy Gospel Church podcast, a podcast where we explore all aspects of church life while also shining a spotlight on good practice in your local church. My name is David Meredith, I'm the Mission Director for the Free Church of Scotland based in Edinburgh and I'll be your host. If you like what you hear, then please like, share and subscribe. Spread the news. A very warm welcome to the the Healthy Gospel Church podcast, broadcasting here from Scotland, and uh, it's talking to lots of interesting people about really what constitutes a healthy gospel church. Not just talking about church, obviously talking about Christian life, Christian experience, Christian ministry, evangelism, and mission. So really, it's a podcast that covers absolutely everything. My guest uh, this morning is uh, Ken Wright, and Ken is a new friend. I just met him 10 minutes ago. Ken, a very warm welcome. Thank you, David. It's great to uh, be with you today. Yeah, now you're not Scottish, but you are, I think, the next best thing. Tell the folks where you were brought up. Well, I was brought up in the northwest of England in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, I'm I'm probably much more uh, Celtic than Anglo-Saxon. And of course, Kenneth, my name, is a good Scottish name. The first king that united uh, the Picts and the Scots was King Kenneth I of Scotland. Okay, so you're a bit of a unifier. You, you bring people together. I like to. I mean, I, I like to include people. I think it's a gift the Lord's given me to uh, to always not, not want to see people left out. Okay. So broadly speaking, Ken uh, does lots of things. He is the chair of British Youth for Christ. He also is involved in a group called Biblical Frameworks, and we'll be hearing a little bit about that later. It's uh, an initiative to produce Bible study resources, I think, in both booklet and in video form. So there's lots to talk about uh, church or, or mission. First of all, Ken, you are a Christian. Can you tell us how that happened to you? Well, I was uh, at university in Liverpool. I was studying electronics. And um, one day I walked into the library there in Liverpool and I I saw this book which caught my eye. And it was called um, My Contact with Flying Saucers. And it was in the nonfiction section. So this intrigued me. Anyway, I, I read this. Of course, being a 19-year-old at university, I thought I knew everything about science. And the book really began to annoy me because it was so facile. It, you know, it, it purported to explain how a flying flying saucer worked. And it was nonsense, really, scientifically. But they were, it, it, the, the theme of it was that I, who read a Brazilian man, claimed he met the captain of a flying saucer. And uh, I thought, this got me really uh, agitated. I don't know why. Anyway, got to the end of the book. And then he says, uh, the flying saucer captain says, well, of course, the earth is regarded as a center of evil. And I thought, this is really crazy. Why is this? And and the, uh, the, the answer was given, well, it's because the people of the earth have rejected the son of God, Jesus. And I thought, this is really weird. So it got me, I suppose, annoyed because I thought, well, I'm not evil. I don't do bad things to people. And it sent me on a journey to effectively try and disprove Christianity. I thought it, re- it really rattled my cage, actually. So I thought, well, uh, let's have a look at Christianity. The biggest claim is that Jesus, were, not that he was crucified, because that seems to be historically uh, evidenced, but that he rose from the dead. 
which seemed to me to be the most remarkable claim that that any any uh, religion could make. So I went on a journey to try and disprove uh, the, the the resurrection. I thought it would be easy because it, it proved rather more difficult because I, I began to realize there was so much evidence that pointed in favor of the resurrection. It was an uncomfortable conclusion I came to that the balance of probability was so much in stacked in favor of the resurrection that I, I had to face up to the fact, well, did I, did I want to follow G- this Jesus? And I didn't tell any of my mates, you know, none of my mates were Christians. I was playing in a rock band and I was having a good time as a 19 year old at uni. And in those days, you know, in the late sixties, coming from a working class family, it was very unusual to go to university. You know, most of them, were, well, all of my mates, none of them went, went, went to uni. So it was a, they probably thought, well, he's, you know, when I started talking about Christianity, they probably thought, well, he's, he's you know, he's smoking the wrong stuff now and he's, he's gone, he's lost, he's lost his head. Anyway, I, I, I mean, I, I wrestled with it for months and then I knew I had to make a decision to follow Jesus. So I, I, I when I was just, just before I, I turned 20, I um, gave my life to Jesus. Now, I, in a way, there was a lot of context, probably, that was, at the time, I didn't realize had happened. Four years before, my mother had become a Christian through Billy Graham, through a mission um, in 1966. And um, I, so I knew, I kind of knew what a Christian was, but uh, and we, my, my dad and I had made fun of my mum and you know, I we we kind of uh, belittled her, I suppose, for her faith. But she must have been praying with other people, and the Lord was working. And uh, you know, out of His graciousness and His love, He um, He put His hand on me. Okay, that's a great story. I mean, you you know, in the words of the Bible, you were born again. Were there any midwives around at the time? In other words, were there some people helping you through this new birth, or was it entirely without a a wider church or Christian context? No, of course, there was a wider context because uh, I, I reached a point when I knew I mean, I had to make a decision when I, I said I, I talked with my mum, which which was a big, yeah, in a way, I was swallowing pride, really, from, given all I'd said in the past about Christianity. And um, yeah, I went, I, then she, she invited me to go on a scripture union weekend. And that was really helpful to think through, you know, what it meant to be a Christian and what giving your life to Jesus, what does that look like? And I think it was really at that weekend, there were other people there who were I was talking with and, and I was able to pray with. Yeah, and then I got involved in a, in a, a small evangelical um, Anglican church uh, that my mum went to. I got involved in a small group. And, and the thing that surprised me was, you know, they were mainly older people, but they they seem to have such a joy and such a, a, a wisdom. Uh, when when I, when we opened the Bible, they seemed to help the Bible to come alive, and uh, that was such a left such an impression on me. But the overwhelming was, you know, I had long hair and I didn't fit the culture of the church. Um, yet I was accepted, and that yeah. was the thing that really impacted me that that love and acceptance. Okay, so, you know, that was a crossroads in your life. You, you could have been one of the Beatles, but you took a, a different step. <laughs> well, good. yeah, you, I, I'm not too sure I quite would have the uh, the same calibre of uh, musical talent as the Fab Four, but yeah, because yeah. every, every kid in Liverpool in those days was hoping to join a band and get on top of the pops. 
Yeah, I know. I know that pretty soon you get involved in evangelism. Can you tell me what the driver was and what did that look like? Well, this this small evangelical church in North Liverpool um, obviously was encouraging us to share our faith. And I got involved in um, some of the youth work. And uh, we had a friend who used to run Billy Graham films at the local library. And, um, you know, we'd invite people along. And as a result of that, and I think at the time I was starting to write some songs about uh, about Jesus. And so I was still doing music stuff um, as part of that. And then a, a small group of, of uh, young teenagers, 13, 14 year olds, uh, made a commitment to follow Jesus. And um, and then they got involved. Uh, we got involved together as a group and they were very keen to share their faith and wanted to do some kind of mission. So we prayed about it. And um, then out of the blue, this is the way the Holy Spirit works. I get a call from a vicar that I didn't know. And he'd found my name in the phone book. You know, there was no internet in those days, of course. And um and he said to me, I'd like to meet with you. So we walked along the beach. You know, North Liverpool has a nice sandy beach. And it was it was early summer. And he, and he was telling me he'd been he'd been on a retreat to Oxford. And uh the Holy Spirit had really been working in his life. And and he felt that it, that uh, something was going to happen in, in in his church, although his church had very few members. It was about two miles away from where I lived. And um I didn't, I, 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 at first I was a bit thick really, because I didn't make the connection. You know, we'd been praying about um, reaching out to other, other teenagers. And then this vicar calls me out of the blue and um, says, I feel the Holy Spirit has asked me to contact you. And so eventually the penny dropped and I thought, well, I then said to him, well, we've been praying about doing some kind of mission. So anyway, we, we decided to do a, a two-week mission and it was just a bunch of people the young people we'd had no experience we had one person who'd been to bible college and that was it really but we went out on the streets doing music doing drama and within within a, a three or four days we started to get 30 40 50 young people coming to the church every night and there was a, there was a youth center next to the church that had all yeah. the equipment for doing youth work we didn't do youth work. We were only doing ministry. We stayed in the church. It was all all about praying, uh, reading the Bible, uh, counseling, um, you know, worship. And it, it was just amazing how these kids from this really rough estate, you know, many of them from single parent families, some of them involved in drug abuse, many of them, had, you know, had been, I'd, I'd either been pushed out of school or, you know, something bad had happened in their lives. And yet they came and there was just this amazing movement of young people saying, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. And then you get a person who'd become a Christian one night and the next night they'd lead somebody else. To the Lord. <clears throat> it was just yeah. incredible. I mean, that's really, really interesting, Ken, because I've been thinking, you know, we, we are reasonably similar age. And, and I, I think about like in the 70s and 80s, Certainly in Scotland, there seemed to be an activity of the spirit, which um, I'm not saying is better, but there was an activity of the spirit where you just did things and things happened. 
I would yeah. not classify it as as revival. You know, I don't think it, it was at that scale. No. But do, do you agree that sometimes things happen which are inexplicable? Yeah, I mean, you do things that are, they're not chic, they're not choreographed, they're not well organised. No. Today, we organise far, we've got far better resources. Yes, we have. But stuff yeah. happened then. Can, I mean, can you explain that? No, I agree with you. I, I And you couldn't write the script, really, yeah, because I don't know why that happened at that time other than it was God's grace. And um, in, in his wisdom, he chose that group of people to make a statement and uh, to see lives transformed by 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 the power of the gospel. Um, yeah, we you couldn't have organized it. We we were terribly, you know, we were amateurs. We didn't, I didn't, I don't think I'd, I'd, I'd read that. I'd only been a Christian for a year and I'd, I'd not really even read the Bible completely at that point. And, you know, so we were mainly just doing very basic things, concentrating mainly on the New Testament. We were, we were, we got young people to act out the parables and then get them to sit down and think about what's Jesus really saying. Yeah. And just the attractiveness of the personality of Jesus was the thing that really, I think, spoke to people. And just the idea that that a new community could be formed, a new way of living uh, was accessible to these kids who come from a really tough, you know, bad uh, estate where there was so much uh, low-level crime and drug abuse and break, family breakup. Um and what what the young people craved was just family and love, and and Jesus provided that. Yeah, I mean, it sounds really basic. Um, I mean, we may touch on this later, but you mentioned already just a couple of churches: the church that you and your mom attended, the church at the mission, small churches, not you know big headline mega churches. Um, can you? You know, at that stage in your life, what would you identify were elements of, of health in these small churches? Well, I think, uh, firstly, openness, um, because you can imagine these young people came in without any church background. Uh, many of them had never been in a church. And, I mean, I'll tell you a little funny story. There was a young lad called... His nickname was Ped, and he, he'd become a Christian. He'd given his life to Jesus. And uh, we were encouraging young people to start to go to the normal church services as well as the evening events that we were doing every single evening. And sometimes people would bring a dog, and the dog would – a dog might, you know, make a make a, a mess or something. And I remember one day I, t I turned up at ch a church – the morning, uh, the, the Sunday morning, and this young lad cr came running to me and he said, oh, you, we're in trouble. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, one of the dogs made a bit of a mess and th there's somebody gunning for you. And I said, well, who is it that's gunning for me? He said, it's, he says, it's, you know, it's one of the Pharisees. And I said, I started laughing. I said, what do you mean one of the Pharisees? He's, and he was deadly serious. He said, he said, you know, one of the Pharisees. I said, well, can you point him out? So he points out the church warden. I said, well, he's not a Pharisee. He said, well, he is, isn't he? And, uh, of course, in Ped's mind, he'd read Jesus. The religious people were called Pharisees. And he just assumed that the guy who was a, a, 
Which official wasn't as good a Pharisee, and it, I, I so we I I talked to the church warden and we had a good laugh about this the idea of him being called a Pharisee, Brilliant. but it, it was that sort of openness uh, and and willingness of the older congregation to uh, ad, uh, almost adopt and 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 include kids that maybe you know had a different culture, didn't understand church services, so a lot of patients. But I think the health obviously comes from um, putting Jesus at the center. Um, you know, church, uh, we, we we come together as the body of Christ. And I love the fact that we're we're all different. You know, God gives us different gifts. And it's it's when we we allow those gifts to be used and the, the love to be expressed between us that something special happens. So church for me is, is it, it, of course, we talk about the church family, but often we live very individualized, open up homes to other people, and we, we just go to church and we do something on a Sunday and then we go <coughs> back and live our individualistic lives. Well, for me, church is, has to be much more than that. It has to be about an expression of what God is like. God is love. It's about us, us really reaching out to other people, maybe being friendly, making friends with people that we wouldn't normally, if we weren't Christians, be be attracted to. Uh, it is about um, be, be, people being able to uh, grow and 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 exercise the gifts that they've been given. <laughs> um, and obviously, um, there needs to be a, a, a kind of rhythm, doesn't there? Whether that's around worship whether it's around Bible study, whether it's around fellowship, uh, eating, you know, to me, eating together, having meals together is so important. That's a, that's an indicator of a healthy church. You know, is are people reading the Bible together? Are they really investing in each other in, in discovering what, what biblical living actually means? Uh, are they praying together? Is that, that is there a real strength and culture of prayer, so that we we don't just rely upon our own strength, but we know when whatever life throws at us, we together we can pray, and and our heavenly Father will will answer our prayers. Um, and obviously, worship can take many different forms. It can be very quiet. It can be very loud. It can be musical. It can be uh, about words. It can be all sorts of things. And I think we have to be very open, not just to be fixed in one type of worship, but but encourage um, expression of the spirit in all sorts of different ways, creative, creative ways. Yeah, I mean, what, what I'm hearing from you, you know, is you're almost talking about the basic elements of, of a healthy church, talking about these couple of, your, your first couple of churches, they were outward looking. So, you know, they were wanting to grow. They had fellowship. They, they ate together. They, they were prayerful. This discussion intersects a little bit with, with what you do now. And, you know, we'll talk about your, your work experience later. But one of your interests professionally is strategy, seeing how businesses, organizations grow. Um, it seems to me that you know, a healthy organization, whether it's a, a third sector, church, business, all display very similar characteristics. Now, it seems to me that these, the churches which you, you talk about, maybe didn't have a written down strategy, but they, they did have a strategy and they did have a great culture. And it seems to me that these are two elements to any healthy organization, especially a church. 
So whether that strategy was expressed or written down, would you agree that they did have one and they did have a good culture? Yes, I think I think certainly there was a vision. Um, I, you know, they always say that when organisation and culture meet, culture always wins. Sure. And that's so true, isn't it? I've worked in so many organisations where people believe leader the leaders believe if they if they organ you know have the right line chart and the right organizational structure that somehow that will produce the right results of course that's <laughs> necessary but it's not necess- it's not sufficient because because uh, really what's what goes on in an organization is 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 primarily determined by the culture of that organization and how people what values people have what what do they value how do they really when they come to work come to work to uh, be together what what are the attitudes that prevail that really dominate and i think that's true in church isn't it that, that if our if if our attitude is one to say we're we're here to serve the lord to serve one another and to see his love fulfilled and expressed actually a written down strategy can be really helpful um but actually unless people's hearts are with that um then it, it may it may not be as successful um so yeah these, these are these these early churches we were involved in definitely didn't have a written down strategy but there was definitely a vision and that was a vision to take was to take the good news to as many people as possible but also to live a life in community that express something different you know we're, we're called to be holy and that that doesn't mean holier than now holy means different radically different from the world around us you know we we, we you know the old the old question was if the if you were arrested for, for accused of being a christian would there be enough evidence to convict you and that's a that's a challenging one for all of us because in our in the 21st century we we so often get absorbed into the culture around us and we're shaped more by by a popular culture than we perhaps realize yeah. yet the church needs to be different and we need to stand out um we need and, and we do that by submitting to jesus and by you know the sermon on the mount is the great challenge isn't it we all we all know but blessed are the poor in spirit but actually is that the way we live our lives yeah. probably not <clears throat> no i mean you you've got a very interesting professional career you've trained as an electronics engineer, you went into management, um, you were originally in telecommunications, and then you joined the Royal Mail, you eventually became chief uh, operational officer of uh, the Royal Mail. Uh, uh, you know, now, it's quite interesting, I've just listened to the uh, three-part series on John Stonehouse's disappearance, which covers that era, you know, he was postmaster general, and uh, you know the Stonehouse era spoke about lots of changes in Royal Mail. You know, they went to first class, second class. It actually piqued in me a bit of interest, and thought, well, mail is actually really interesting. <laughs> so it struck me that was a really interesting time in the Royal Mail. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, as a Christian and as a professional? What what guided you um, in your career choices? Well, I, 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 in a way, I'm a very bad example because <laughs> I, I I never had a career plan. Uh, I suppose I you know before I became you know when I was at uni I I thought well I'll be an engineer f- for most of my life 
because that's what I enjoy. I was interested in mathematics and physics and all that. Um, and then I became a Christian, and I kind of, um, I, I, I suppose, intuitively, I felt that it was it was right to have ambition, but the ambition was to do a good job as if serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know that verse which talks about we work, we work as if we're working for the Lord. And so my ambition was always just to do a good job, not to get promoted. And and the the, the really strange thing is, in my in my career, when I, I got promoted many, many times, I never once applied for promotion. It just kind of happened. So, the, but the over overriding principle for me was um, work as if I'm working for the Lord, and and do do my very best. And let the future take care of itself. Don't. Pl- I, I never really believed in career planning. I'm not suggesting that's the right advice, because I'm sure in today's world people have to think about their careers. But I didn't. I I, I just concentrated on the job I'd been given to give my best, because like people knew I was a Christian, and I knew that they were probably looking for me to fail or to um, mess up in some way. I'm sure I did in, in many, many, on many occasions, but, but, uh, but above all, I was, I was trying to be a faithful servant and uh, to be a good witness, um, you know, to, of, of, of what it meant to be a Christian, to, to be, to be honest, to be open, uh, to admit when you're wrong and not, not to, um, not to be molded by the world, but rather to, uh, to take the values and, and the standards of the kingdom of God I- into the workplace. Now, you, you've had some big jobs. You were a busy man, obviously, uh, some really big jobs. All through your career, were you always involved in ministry and in church at some level? Or did you ever put that to the side? No, I mean, I, we were all, I always felt that um, it needed to be rooted and grounded in the local church. Because you could be a, a lone ranger as a Christian, unless maybe the Lord, you know, puts you in. You're in in a a cell somewhere, and you're you're in solitary confinement. But He would provide special grace, I'm sure, for that situation. But for for all of us uh, in 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 the in in the situation we're in here in in Scotland and England and Wales. Um, it, We've got the freedom um, to, uh, uh, to to uh, to be um, uh, be members of, of of a local church, and and for me that's so important because um, I think there were times when probably I wasn't giving very much to the local church. We, were, my wife and I, were always very very faithful in in being members and being involved, whether it was in the music or in uh, Bible home Bible study. But uh, there, obviously, there were times when I was working 60, 70 hours a week. So I was I was really a te- very much a taker, I suppose, a recipient of, of support from the local church. Um, but I, I ne- there was never a time when I wasn't a member of a local church. Okay, tell me a little bit or tell us a little bit about your involvement with British Youth for Christ. Um, tell us about the culture again the c word the, the culture of youth for christ in those early days what is it that appealed to you well i got to got involved with youth of christ because in the 80s we had a mission in, in one of the churches we talked about um 
Uh, and we, we were trying to focus on young people again, and we we engaged Youth for Christ to help us. They had a a theatre group, and and they did some stuff uh, that was really help, really innovative. And I was impressed with Youth for Christ's uh, creativity and their passion uh, for reaching young people. Um, and I met a, a, um, a young evangelist then called Roy Crown, who later became the national director of Youth for Christ. And so that was the connection. But I think what impressed me was just the the clarity of the focus on taking the good news, because it's very easy in youth work in, in a church to end up just doing good youth work, but never mention Jesus. And it seemed to me the uh, Youth for Christ's culture was very much about about giving young people an opportunity to meet Jesus and to engage with Jesus. Did they have a philosophy of working with, with churches? You know, I, I want to be perfectly candid here. Um, you know, one of my things about parachurch is that very often they take a totally different trajectory to the church. Now, I'm all about church. I think church is, is God's A plan for for the world. How do you guys in, in British Youth for Christ juggle that? Or, or would you say there's no need to juggle it, you know? the parachurch and church have got to work together well i think it's a really good question david and because and i think there have been times when um youth for christ uh have really struggled with this and it and it's uh, um it 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 came when i when i first got involved with with the board of youth for christ i think we were deliberately uh, tr- trying to ensure that that actually serving the local church was was right front and center in in what Youth for Christ was doing. Um, so I think para you know parachurch organisations do have a role, but ultimately it is about serving local church. It's not about replacing local church. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got lots of other interests, and another one I want to explore with you is we we've a mutual friend called. Paul Blackham. Paul's a bit of a character, um, great theologian, great personality, obsessed with Jesus. Uh, and one of Paul's great things is he sees Christ in, in all the scriptures. Uh, so, you know, you're not talking to Paul for, for five minutes and he's talking about Jesus. Um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, biblical frameworks what that is, and again, how it serves the church, how you get involved with it, and what was the story? Well, Biblical Frameworks came out of All Souls, Langham Place, uh, which is the church that my wife and I have been at now for the last 20-odd years uh, in central London. Um, the then rector of, uh, of um, uh, All Souls, uh, Richard Bewes, uh, and and Paul Blackham, who was then a young theolo- minister for theology at at all uh, at all souls, um, <laughs> they they started doing filming of Bible studies, and that morphed into this uh, uh, product called Book by Book, where they took a whole book of the Bible, got somebody who was passionate about that book, and created a series of films, almost like you were sitting into a home Bible study, and then Paul would write a study guide to support. Uh, the films and so the idea was that home groups could use both of the the videos and the the study guides to work their way through this particular book of the bible um 
and it was it was strange really it must have been i i guess maybe 15 years ago i felt that i knew paul uh, he and I are both Evertonians, which is unusual in London, of course, supporting Everton Football Club from Liverpool. Um, and I, I didn't know him that well because it's a big church. You don't always get to know the ministers well in All Souls. Um, but I just one day that I felt the Lord said to me, I want you to support this man, which is a strange thing in a way because I didn't really have any contact with him. Anyway, I, did, I just prayed about it and said, well, Lord, if that's what you want, I'm sure it will unfold. And then some months later, he said to me, look, we're, we're, we're going to create a charity called Biblical Frameworks. It's to take take the project, which has been an All Souls project, and turn it into a charity so that we can carry on producing more and more Bible study resources. And so um, he said to me, would you like to become a trustee? So I became a trustee and then later the the chair of the, of the charity. And that's how I got involved with Paul. Um, but but so book by book is basically a um, a Bible study resource. I originally designed for small groups, but we find a lot of individuals like to use it just for their own private uh, quiet time. So to take a you know a book and and then um, work through that book and then look to see how does that book fit in the whole context of the Bible? What's the story there? How does it fit with God's big story? And particularly, how does it point towards Jesus? Because as you say, Paul is very Christological. I think that's probably the the theological term, isn't it? He he sees Jesus uh, right through the Bible, the pre-incarnate Jesus, you know, as the the angel of the Lord, Um, you know, whether it's in the fiery furnace or whether it's 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 uh, wrestling with, uh, uh, with 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 someone um, whether whether it's uh, leading you know the army of the Lord he sees Jesus there as the pre-incarnate Jesus in the Old Testament which I know not theologians would agree with but I think it's a very helpful thing to see that yeah I, I mean not I think Paul's on to something you know uh, we have another mutual friend called Steve Levy he said some guys wouldn't even see Jesus on the cross. Uh, I, you know, I think I think they're making good points that sometimes folk don't see Jesus in in the Bible. Yeah. Then we have these theophanies, you know, these Old Testament appearances of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> the if you want to access biblical frameworks, I mean, go on to the the, the internet. Biblicalframeworks.com is is a website. Um, and stuff there like your nineteen year old self, if you were exploring. You know, I think you would find as a 19-year-old non-Christian this site um, relevant. W- would you agree with that? That non-Christians would would engage with it? Yeah, it's it, it is probably designed essentially for Christians, for people yeah. who are reading the Bible. But actually, there's no reason why yeah, someone who who has the time, um, yeah, to to look into a particular book, maybe maybe one of the 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 Gospels, for example. We've we've covered both Mark and John. Uh, the, the 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 studies are available for there. Uh, the Mark's Gospel fits quite well with something like Christianity Explored. Um, yeah, so I think the resources are open to to everyone, but it's a great way of um, getting into the Bible. I think one of the things I benefit from being a member of All Souls for these past years has been gaining a better understanding of the complete story that represented in the Bible. You know, the threads, the the golden threads that run right through. Um, because sometimes reading the Bible every day can be a bit of a chore for people. 
And yet, I think if you if if you really open up your heart and pray and 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 I'll ask the Lord to speak to you. It's amazing, isn't it? You open up something you've read before and you see something new, and God speaks to you. It's amazing, isn't it? That that we have this relationship that it, that is living. It's not just a dead religion that we're we're following. It's a living person, a living Savior. He's he's our savior, and and you know he speaks through the Bible. So I I love the Bible. I mean I know there's a danger of worshiping the Bible, the bibliolatry type of thing, yeah. which is the danger I sometimes of, uh, you know, some branches of evangelicalism. But it, but I think if we if we engage with Jesus through the scriptures, that's a great combination. And biblical frameworks, the book by book series, really helps people to do that. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that these things bring your your three passions together. You know, that is church, the local church, youth work, and the Bible. Um, it seems to me that these, you know, if one defined you, that these are the three things that kind of drive you. Um, <clears throat> you've been a small church in Liverpool. You're a church in Manchester. All Souls Langham Place. Again, you know, I was in All Souls a few weeks ago. Just, just a, a great experience. Um, there is a place, I think, for big city centre churches. There's a place for all sorts of churches. Tell me what you like about All Souls. What makes it a healthy church for you? We know it's not just about size, but uh, I guess I mean I'm, I'm not want to put words in, in your mouth, but the emphasis in the Bible, the the internationalism again struck me. But what what makes it healthy for you? Well, I, th- I think it is the the, the quality of teaching um, and the the scope. So, we're, you know, some churches tend to just focus on the New Testament, which is great, but actually, you can't really understand the New Testament in 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 its fullness without reading the Old Testament, because the scriptures, of course, for Jesus were, were the Old Testament uh, scriptures. So yeah, I think that I think certainly the, the the quality of biblical teaching is something which stands out for me at All Souls. But as you say, the the range of the the diversity of ethnicity is also something which uh, is I find particularly attractive. Um, you know, we've made friends with people from so many different countries. My wife is a great provider of hospitality. That's her, her amazing gift, and our house is always full of people from lands near and far um and it, that is a great joy uh, you know it, it, we're now in in the last the latter stages of our lives you know in our 70s and yet we're our house is full of young people and full of people's you know students from in india china malaysia indonesia uh, africa countries uh, nigeria and it's just an amazing opportunity to experience maybe a little glimpse of what the new new creation, the new heaven and earth will be like, because it will be multi-ethnic <laughs> and multicultural. Um, yeah. And I, I love that, the idea that you, you can have a difference and we can have this unity within, within a diversity. That's the real inclusion. You know, the world talks about inclusivity and diversity. But it doesn't really know it in the way that we know it in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Okay, Ken. That, that sounds great. I mean, um, I, I love all souls. David Turner. I don't know if you know David. He's one of my favourite preachers, and you know, he's not an ordained 
pastor, but I, I, I listen to everything that David preaches. Um, so well, David, David Turner, yeah, he, he's, a, he's in Church of England speak. He's a reader. So he is kind of authorized to preach. But David is one of the best preachers. And, you know, Rich, the late Richard Buse, who was the rector uh, when we first joined All Souls, he always said that David Turner was the best preacher All Souls had. Yeah, well. That's probably true. He's been, he's been very modest, but, you know, if any preachers listening to this podcast, go on. I mean, the big thing about David for me is he's really organized. I really like the, the way he approaches. Um, so you are over 18 now. Um, <laughs> uh, Ken, you, you're, you're uh, just beginning your 70s. Um, tell me what, what, what are the next few years? That is, is, does retirement mean just opting out of the Christian experience or are, are you still involved in things? How, how are you going to spend, God willing, the next 10 years? Well, you know, I don't believe that retirement is a Christian concept. Mm-hmm. And I think this idea that, well, one day we, we can uh, go on a permanent holiday and, and just think about ourselves is is not what the kingdom of God is about, is it? I think obviously in later life, if if we're blessed with the opportunity not to have to do paid work and we can give more of our time to other people um, in a voluntary sense, then that's a great blessing and it's a great privilege and it's a, it's a great responsibility to choose wisely. Uh, I think the, the latter days of your life should be a time of real fulfillment where you can bring, uh, if you're well enough to do so, uh, bring joy and life to other people and serve other people. So, yeah, I don't believe in retirement. I mean, I am. Uh, I, the pandemic really uh, stopped me doing consultancy work, and I felt that was the right thing. So we, we I've not picked that much uh, paid work up now, in, in, and I don't intend to. I am at the, I'm at the point, having been the chair of Youth for Christ for nearly 20 years, I am at the point of stepping down this year as, as chair, but I'll still be involved with Youth for Christ, still want to serve, still want to see young people's lives transformed by Jesus. Um, yeah, so I think I think the challenge really for in later life, if you have the time of a freedom not to have to be in paid work, is to choose wisely. Because one day the Lord's going to say to you, well, how did you use your time? You know, because he will say, how did you use your money? How did you use the gifts that I gave you? So it will be the parable of the talents, won't it, for all of us? So I think that's we shouldn't see that as a as a negative. We should see it as a positive to say, well, let's, Lord, you still want me here in this this world. You've got a purpose for my life. It's not just about me serving myself. Uh, there's nothing wrong in going on holidays, but actually, life uh, should be a shouldn't be focused just on my own my own personal needs. Um, yeah, so I'm excited, really. I don't know what it means, but I know I'll be continuing to serve in the local church. I'll be still supporting Youth for Christ and biblical frameworks. And there'll be loads of individual people, I'm sure, that will be brought into our lives that we will um, we will serve. I met with a young man last night uh, who was he's contemplating marriage and had a really it was a great one-to-one talk just about what does it mean to be a christian and to be married life in a lifelong commitment um so the lord i think will give all of us the opportunity to serve well and to see people flourish and to see lives transformed 
by the power of Jesus. Ken, what a great way, a great natural way to conclude our conversation. So, folks, thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, Google All Souls, listen to some of the sermons there. Look up British Youth for Christ, see what they're able to do, serve you as the local church. And, of course, biblical frameworks, some great Bible study material there. Thank you. We hope to be on again for our podcast next week with another exciting, intriguing guest. So, Ken, again, thank you. And we are so glad that you're not, you know, going to your your timeshare and talks death or, uh, you know, having a, a permanent cruise. But, you know, in the words of the old hymn, let us labour for the master from the dawn to setting sun. And you're a great example of that. Thank you for your company today. Amen, David. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and uh, God bless you all. Mm-hmm.